Glad you're with us today, and it's a great day. In fact, we began a uh, brand new series today, this uh, first hour, talking about the untouchables, and uh, that's what we're going to be doing for a few weeks now. And uh, we're going to be talking about some topics that you don't talk about all the time, some things that are a little bit awkward to discuss, some things that uh, are uncomfortable for us, some things that don't have easy solutions. And so we were calling them untouchables, issues that uh, that we're going to address and see what the Bible has to say about them. And today, we're going to be talking about one of those topics that, that impact our world greatly, but that a lot of people are just not sure how to even talk about it. And that is the topic of addiction. Kind of kind of get in that a little bit today. And to, I want today to be uh, for us a time of education, inspiration, and challenge. And I will tell you that even though you may not have someone personally in your life right now, or you yourself may not be dealing with this, more than likely at some point you will. It does impact our world, our culture, almost uh, every one of us in some way. So what is addiction? Addiction is a psychological and physical inability to stop consuming a chemical, a drug, an activity, or a substance, even though it's causing psychological and physical harm. And typically when we think about addiction, we think about uh, something uh, like a substance abuse, heroin, cocaine, meth, alcohol, something along those lines. But we know that also there is a great plague of people who overuse prescription opioid painkillers or maybe other uh, medications as well. And it's not just limited to things that we ingest. Also, many addictions also involve certain activities and inability to stop doing certain things like gambling, overeating, overworking, or even sex. And while these addictions can be overwhelming to the person who is struggling with them, they also impact the lives of family members, they impact friends, the rest of society as well. In fact, I'm told that every year, addiction to alcohol, tobacco, illicit drugs, and prescription opioids costs the U.S. economy about $740 billion in treatment costs. $740 billion, lost work, the effects of crime around our country. And even more importantly than that, there is a greater cost, and that is a problem, a spiritual cost to, to pay as well. And we'll talk about that aspect of it in just a few moments. But you know, the bad thing about addiction is that addiction attacks us at our weakest point. It exposes and preys upon our human weaknesses and, and, and just kind of opens up who we are and allows us to, uh, to, to sink to kind of the lowest level that we can in many cases. You know, all of us, I think, make mistakes as human beings. All of us um, search for ways to try to dull the pain, escape the, the the pains of life. And uh, because we're all human and we're going to make mistakes, we are prone to be, uh, not only do things we shouldn't do, take substance into our body we should not take, but also there is a difference in that between misuse and addiction. And I think this distinction is a little bit important to, to just mention here, is that misuse is the incorrect or excessive use of bo body and or mind-altering substances. That is misusing them. In other words, you take a medication more often than you should, or you misuse that. Oftentimes when we misuse substances, we realize that, and then we stop. Uh, we, we realize it was a mistake, and then we stop doing that. But addiction is the next step. It's the long-term inability to moderate or cease intake. And that's where the problem really comes. As long as we have control, we can make decisions, we all make mistakes, but when we learn how to do that and, and grow, that's one thing not being able to or not being willing to is a whole nother thing. You know, as I was studying, I was looking at some of the stages of abuse that I thought were interesting. And I think this appeals across the line, but also to young people as well. I think it's important to note this. 
The stages of abuse, first of all, is the initial use of a substance, and that might be someone who takes a prescription to manage pain. Uh, they take their first drink at 21, or maybe they're pressured by their friends to try drugs at certain age. So there's the first initial use of, of some drug or something going into the body. The second stage is abuse, and that is uh, taking higher doses of this uh, substance or using medication frequently, uh, more frequently than, than is prescribed, uh, binge drinking, using the substance to get high, not for the uh, prescription side of it, self-medicating, or taking illegal substances, which is always wrong. And the third level is tolerance. And that is the original dose or the use of this substance no longer produces the same physical or mental effect and the dosage or frequency is increased to recapture the original result and it's repeated. You know, I think this is true a lot of times with uh, people who talk about opioid use, that something is prescribed to them, it's, you know, doctor gives it to them for a very valid reason, uh, but then after a while, no longer does it give them that uh, satisfaction, that feeling. In fact, they say many times they have to take more of it and more often in order to just feel normal. So that's when it becomes to the point of your body has built a tolerance to that. The, fourth, uh, the third level is dependence. This is when the body becomes dependent upon having the substance to be able to function properly or to feel pleasure. And I want to make a note here because I, I, I think this is very clear. There are genuine needs for a person to develop a dependency on a medication for their health. I know that there are people, I know personally of people who need to do that in order for them to manage the pain or manage some symptoms of a disease. They have to be a dependency. Uh, that is not the same thing as an addiction. The addiction is the fourth level, the overuse, the denial, the un inability to, to stop, the craving, a person unable to fulfill their job or their family responsibilities, where they make dangerous choices when they're using this substance and how to supply their habit. For example, they may be stealing from family members or stealing uh, from, from a store or whatever it may be. And, and also relational stress would be added in there as well. And then the, the next step would be relapse. And that's when the person starts trying to quit, but they can't really kick the habit. They can't really get rid of that. Now, a lot of times we think, well, why, why do people struggle with addictions? And for many people, it's not obvious, you know, it isn't obvious because many people don't have a, a, a noticeable or recognizable addiction. Maybe we all have some. I'm struggling with Diet Coke right now. But, but why do people take in things in their body? Why do people become addicted to things? Well, there's three major causes for that. The first one is genetics. Genet uh, experts say that up to 40 to 60% of addiction is due to a person's individual genetic makeup. And I've heard this a long time. We're all made differently. We're all vulnerable to certain things. And uh, addiction may begin with the very first drink that someone takes or experience as, as the body immediately is hooked on that. And by the way, I would say this is a great reason to never ever experiment with anything like that to never ever try it because if you're genetically inclined to become an addict to something and you try it, you could be hooked on that. And uh, it may not destroy your life, but it could on the other hand, so why take a chance? So it's best not to experiment. Second uh, factor is environment. Environment, there are several factors that increases a person's risk of addiction, including a chaotic home, uh, abuse, child abuse, uh, sexual abuse, whatever it may be, their parents' drug use and attitude toward drugs, peer influence, poor academic achievement, all those things 
many of which are preventable, by the way, in the home. All those things uh, increase a person's risk of becoming addicted to something down the road. And then the third factor is mental health. That mental health issues oftentimes make addiction much more likely in a person's life. So those are some very practical reasons that people tend to become addicted. Now, what does the Bible have to say about that? What is the, what is the, the, how does the Bible speak? Well, there's a lot that we could talk about. Specifically, the Bible does not use the word addiction as far as I know, but it does address the problem of not being able to control one's actions and, uh, and, destroy, and hurting your, harming yourself by, by certain actions or by something that goes into your body. For example, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own, you are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. See, the Bible teaches us as Christians, we should not put anything into our bodies, which are the temple of the Holy Spirit, anything or practice anything that would harm our bodies or that would diminish our witness. In other words, we need to make sure that we control ourselves, that we're not controlled by something else, some other substance, some activity, uh, another person, whatever it may be, that we understand who's in charge of our lives and we do not allow our testimony to be destroyed because of allowing our bodies to do things or ingest things that are not good for them. Ephesians chapter 5 says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he's talking specifically here about drunkenness, about not being able to control your actions, debauchery, instead and still of being filled with and controlled by substances, we need to be filled with and controlled by the Holy Spirit to make sure that we uh, give God control of our life and not something or somebody else. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 reminds us that one of the fruits of the Spirit is self-control, the ability to say no to the desires and the temptations of the flesh. And then in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says this, For the freedom that Christ has set us, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. So the Bible teaches us that the power of Jesus Christ has released us from our bondage to sin and our slavery to sin and other addictions. And so all together, it's inconsistent for a Christian to allow a substance, a habit, an addiction, activity of any sort to control their lives, affect their relationships, diminish their testimony, and ruin their health. Very inconsistent. You know, whenever um, we, we see the damage of uh, addictions, we see that it can physically wreck a person's life. I mean, you can see someone noticeably decline in their addiction and might even lead to death or even uh, an overdose or, or suicide. Not only that, but financially, it's devastating. It can lead to poverty, to bankruptcy, to loss of home. Uh, relationally, you know, breaking up families, uh, losing family members, causing uh, uh, conflict within family members, emotionally affecting the mind. And in so many ways, it's devastating, but nothing is more terrible than the spiritual damage that addiction can do to a person, pushing them away from God, pushing them away from their, their community, their church community, and destroying their life. And so the cost is, is just massive, uh, and the damage is, is just hard to, uh, to even verbalize how, how devastating it can be. You know, what I've learned today, uh, or through the past few years about addiction, I've learned most from the people that I've appreciated that have been through that. And so I would have to say 
that only a person who really has been there and has uh, struggled with that and is overcoming that, is in a place of recovery, can really speak uh, well into this topic. And so uh, I'm really honored this morning to have a friend of mine who's going to be coming to share with us in just a few moments. His name is Andrew Hager. Some of you know Andrew. He's one of our guys at the church here. But I will tell you that my life has been enriched the last few years by knowing this man, by seeing his humbleness, his honesty, his genuine concern for other people. This is what he does with his life, and we'll talk more about that here in just a few moments. Uh, but the other thing is that Andrew's just fun to be around. I mean, he's just fun guy to be a friend. So he's going to come and talk and, and bring his heart and his humor with us a little bit later here. But right now, would you just kind of watch this video, and then we'll get into our, uh, our, our conversation. To go through life and, and you know and started putting using dope and alcohol not to feel you know and, and that wasn't you know that was just a, a symptom you know and you hear people say it you know it's just a symptom of what i suffer from and it truly is because again i suffered from a lot of little boy issues not measuring up not as cool as these kids you know not worthy to, to hang out over here wore a mask most of my childhood what recovery has given me back, man, for me to finally surrender. Ooh, huh? This is the only thing you can win by surrendering to, man. Surrendering that I'm powerless over drugs and alcohol. I need help. Huh? I need to, and, and that's the beauty, beautiful thing behind this, because God will keep putting these people in your path, right, to show you the way. Their actions show you the way, man. Show you that you are worthy, that you do have purpose, that you can live without drugs and alcohol. I never thought possible. Right? Today I do, man. I'm so blessed what recovery's done for me. It's, 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 it's gave me my children back, my grandkids. I get to be, huh? I get to participate in my own life, right? That's amazing. I get to be real. I get to be genuine. I check my motives behind everything I do. Uh, because God ain't going to honor it if you're running on some self. You hear me? If I'm running on flesh and I'm doing it for you, I'm doing it for validation. I ain't doing it for the right reasons. Amen? Huh? Can I get a hallelujah one time? Can I get a ha ha? Turn Jesus up and we come. But real talk, there's a solution, guys. You feel me? I mean, real talk, man. Don't keep laying. Don't keep bottled up in here. In between that self-made hell, man. This ain't, you ain't going nowhere by picking up. You ain't going nowhere but taking another drink, man. You know, your last time, man. Your last time using. Could be your last time using. You can get the help you need, right? And be the person you're meant to be. Or your last time using could be your last time using. You could die. And that's a fact. It happens. I've lost, I've lost three first cousins to this. I lost my daughter. I've lost friends. I've lost my good, good, great friend of mine. The list goes on. I've been to a lot of funerals during my sobriety. And by saying that, I have to tell you, I have to look at gratitude in that. I have to look at, you know, what God has done for me. You know, that I can be there for family members that's lost loved ones. You know, don't let that be your story. You know, that... That pain went when someone has lost their life or took their life from, because of alcohol, because of whatever's going on upstairs, overdose, accidental overdose from, from, you know, from opiates, whatever it may be. You know, you leave behind that, that pain 
and on your parents, on your children, on your family members, because the whole time we are questioning ourselves, what could we have done different for you to help you get the help that you need? Don't let that be your story. You're not worthless. You weren't born to be a junkie. You weren't born to be a drunk. Ask for help. Guys, just welcome Andrew. Hey, buddy. Hey. How's it going? Doing good. Andrew, thanks for coming. And uh, appreciate you speaking into this. Did a great job first hour. Just do it again, man. Just oh, the my same goodness. thing, all right? I know. I thought but, it was over the first hour. I was getting ready to leave. Uh, my name's Andrew Hager. Uh, I live here in, in Versailles, Kentucky. Um, you know, and we talk about, I, and I like to talk about how this started. You know, uh, I grew up in, in Lexington, Kentucky, a little place called Irishtown. I never knew my father. First, I want to say my sobriety day. I'm sorry. Uh, that means no minor mood-altering substance, no drugs, no alcohol, no in-betweens. It's uh, February the 7th, 2014. For that day, I'm truly grateful. Can I get an amen? Come on, give me an amen out there. All right, all right. Real talk, you know, look what God can do once we get out of the way. Uh, you know, again, I grew up, uh, never knew my father. He died a month and a half before I was born. Uh, my mother was 15, a child having a baby. Um, yeah, so, so her parents, uh, you know, they, they moved me in. Uh, you know, they weren't court ordered to do that, but that's what they did. Amen. Um, you know, and going through it, you know, uh, chaos wasn't chaos growing up. I had two uh, uncles, younger uncles in there, 13 and 14, along with my 15-year-old mother. You know, I grew up seeing some things, uh, going through some things, the little boy issues that I like to start. Because I get to look at these things today in my sobriety. I get to look at what I really suffer from because the drugs and the alcohol were a symptom right of me trying to stuff some pain try to control some pain um you know coming up so basically you know uh, a lot of verbal abuse a lot of verbal abuse what do they say sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt me that, what say it again that's a lie that's a lie uh, you know so going through those things um you know i was told my grandfather a good man now a good man like i said he wasn't court ordered to take me in i used his water his electric i ate his groceries uh, and maybe he went through, th through some things. You know, the verbal abuse, I was told I was feeble-minded, that I would never amount to anything. You know, things like that as a little boy. And when I start school, my grandmother, you know, wonderful lady, she was a custodian at the courthouse in Fayette County. She used to take me to work with her. She nurtured me to, to the best of her ability uh, to grow up to be a good man, to the best of her ability. Uh, but when I first started school, I couldn't read as well as the other guys, the other students. My spelling was off, you know, so then there I am, you know, starting to believe this evil committee in between my ears, you know, so I put the mask on, the hee hee ha ha, you know, that little boy in me, you know, to cover up my real feelings of taking on what people said about me as my identity uh, for so many, so many years. Uh, I was in active addiction for over 20-some years, running that wide path that is so easy to follow. Uh, I led two of my four sons on that wide path due to my actions. You know, a lot of in and out of, of jails. When I was young, I would visit the penitentiary with my grandparents to visit my uncle, who was incarcerated due to his addiction, and he murdered a man. 
So I lock, you know, my uncle's locked up every Saturday consists of getting in the car and driving to LaGrange Penitentiary. I also lost an uncle to the disease of alcoholism, which was murdered. You know, these are, these are, this is trauma and everybody's trauma is different. I get that. My trauma might not be your trauma, you know, but the truth is what it is. Jesus, we all can heal through God. So, you know, going through this process, you know, not feeling worthy, not measuring up, feeling less than, um, I started to, to use that, that, that Band-Aid, that temporary relief of pain, right? Made me feel, oh, you know, I fit in now. That was a lie. And it was progressive. You know, and all I did, like I said, I led two of my sons to the penitentiary. And what I did is I robbed them of their childhood. My son Jordan, when he was five years old, five years old would ask his mother, why don't my father love me? Because I was never there. I was busy chasing dope, drinking. And that's a baby, five years old. You know, five years old, this little boy. And he wasn't mad at me. He took it on as something that he wasn't worthy of my love, the harm that I've caused. It wasn't the material things I had stole from my grandparents. It was a peace of mind for so many years. I caught a case back in um, 2013, uh, third degree assault on a police officer. And um, I was going to cop some dope. I'd left Midway. Y'all know where Midway is, some of you, right? So I left Midway, and I was on my way to Lexington to cop some dope. I made a wrong turn, and there was a TGI Fridays there that had been broken into. And I fit the part. You know, the police were already there. I go up on the curb. So, I, again, I fit the part, so they pull me out, and they search me, you know, and this and that. This was in February. And I had one of those little windbreakers with the kangaroo pouch. And, I, um, and the police, they ask us, do you have anything on your person that's going to poke, you know, stick or harm me, right? Y'all with me? Listen to me now. Work with me, all right? And, I, of course, I didn't know, guys. I mean, I'm out there, you know. I'm identifying with the devil. I'm on that wide path, again, that's so easy to follow. And I didn't remember anything. You know, the insanity. So I didn't know what I had on my person. So I tell the officer, no. His name is Officer Fetko. So he proceeds to do what he does. He handcuffs. Hey, Jasper, how's it going? Uh, <laughs> blessing over there. Amen. <laughs> and so the officer sticks his hand in there. And I had to open a syringe without a cap on it. And he pokes himself. You know? Now, here's the thing. This man's out here protecting and serving, protecting my kids, your kids, my, your family, my family, right? And putting his, 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 his life at jeopardy every day. So I get charged. Now, I had to look at some things during this process because here's the thing. I didn't know if I had HIV I didn't know if I had hepatitis. It's not like I was going to the doctor, keeping up with doctor's appointments. And then, like Randy said, this is my temple, right? A blessing from God. And I was just out there, man, in this madness nonstop. And um, they offered me 10 years in the penitentiary. Persistent felony offender because I couldn't stop. You know, the insanity. And every time I'd go, I'd pray to God, right? Oh, God, get me out of this one. Those foxhole prayers. And then the judge would see fit. I would, and they would let me out. Every time they'd let me out, I would leave God right there in that cell. Every time. And I would say I didn't like jail. I would say I didn't like jail food. But I kept going back, right? Yes. Insanity. I didn't find with the devil. 
It wasn't until the last time they put me in a 12-step program, which is called the Hope Center, inside the jail. The door's locked. Because I took doors for me locked. My, my record consists of, uh, and nothing glamorous about my drinking, my drug use, nothing. It was, it was pure hell, self-made hell. Um, just how I was running wide open, you know, and there was times I would pray, I don't want to use today. I don't want to use today. And I would use against my will. No defense against it. The only defense against it is God. How powerful is this power that gives me power of the disease of addiction, alcoholism? Very, huh? Can I get an amen over at Gracie one time? Give me an amen real loud. Man. Join in one time. Hey, man, hey, look here. We're blessed today. We woke up this morning. Here we sit. We made a good decision this morning to come to Journey Church. Amen? Man. Give me an amen right there, young man. Woo! Yes, sir. Turn Jesus up. So, you know, going through this process, you know, again, not feeling worthy. My little boy issues, you guys. It wasn't until I realized my true identity was in Christ, Christ Jesus. If I'm in Christ, Christ is in me. Amen? Man. Come on now. Work with me. The good-looking guy in the blue shirt. Amen? Amen. All right, all right, let's do this. You know, and, and you know, how much time I got, Randy? Oh, you're good. Go. Okay, let's roll with it. Um, you know, and going through these processes, man, and, and just realizing that I do have worth, that I do have purpose, that my true identity is in Christ, you know, and to prosper in life. Now I'm on that narrow path, that narrow path. Ooh, the blessings on that narrow path, huh? Amen. Amen. Yes, yes. Again, over six years, no minor moon altering substance. I'm so blessed, you guys. Just so blessed. I believe in me today. Why? Because I'm in Christ. You know, there's a lot, there's a lot of facts about me that's written. It's public record. Facts can be changed through the truth. The truth is in the word. Amen. Amen. We'll talk about Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous, right? CR. What does that have in common? God. We're not confused about who God is, are we? Nope. Amen. Woo, come on now. But I, I'm just blessed, and it's an honor to be here with you guys. Uh, Randy, what do you want me to do? Yeah, song, song and I dance, no? a couple questions for you. Um, you, can, you can see that, you know, uh, Andrew has a heart for this, a passion. I would say a passion for it. And uh, like a lot of people who are blessed to do their passion, I get to be one of those people. Uh, Andrew has uh, the blessing of being able to do this. This is, this is where he lives and breathes it, probably too much at some point. Put that phone down sometime. <laughs> Uh, but he's, he's always available, and a lot of people reach out for, for help. But let me, uh, let me just say this, uh, or ask you this. Uh, with all the addiction brings, you talked about, you know, you talked about poverty, you talked about broken relationships, you talked about jail, all the things, you know, a lot of people would say, well, how come, why don't you just stop? You know, I mean, it sounds pretty simple, but, but explain why it's not so easy to stop. It's just not, I mean, it's progressive, and, it, it, and me personally, it, it, you know, it, it took everything. You know, like I told you guys, I would wake up, I would cry, I would beg, please, I don't want to use today. And I would use, you know, using against my will. It wasn't until, and, and, and God don't want nobody in a cage now. He don't want nobody locked up in jail, but I look at it as a blessing today. Um, it wasn't like I was put in that controlled environment, right? So I could detox, right? So I could get the tools that I needed to, you know, to, to uh, actually detox from, from heroin, guys. It's awful. It's painful. You know, and again, you know, as far as a disease or a choice, we're going to get into that, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and that's just where I'm at. I'm all over the place. Tony, yeah. hold me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm freaking out. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the disease. You know, uh, we hear people say addiction is a disease, and that, people push back on that a little bit because they're like, well, a disease is cancer, you know, that comes and, you know, and you don't, Nothing you did caused that. 
Uh, some diseases we do cause, you know, obviously. But how, how is disease, how is uh, addiction like a, a disease? How is it not like a disease? Why would you say it is a disease? You know, again, you know, personally the disease, you know, because I couldn't stop uh, praying to stop. Um, and again, I'd use anyway against my will, you know, not have, being powerless, being powerless over it. You know, the parts of the disease of addiction, alcoholism, is the mental obsession. I couldn't stop thinking about it. The physical allergy, I had to have it to function. Uh, it's, it's really scary. But at the end of the day, you know, my kids don't care if it's a disease or a choice. They just want their father back. Yeah, definitely. Um, also, uh, a little bit, uh, a few moments ago, we talked about addiction being a spiritual problem and, and the message part of it. Um, but that Jesus has come to break the bondage of that mm -hmm. and uh, of all of our sin. And, and really, we can only find healing in him. You know, it might be a temporary stop, temporary fix. Uh, we know that the statistics of people who go back uh, after who relapse uh, are pretty high, you know, honestly. And a lot of times if people try to do it on their own, that, that is going to more likely to relapse. Uh, obviously, your faith is really a big part of your life. Uh, I told people first service, I love it when Andrew goes into Kroger and does a live broadcast and runs through the aisles and says, turn Jesus up, turn Jesus up. Uh, a little bit crazy, but but it is a spiritual issue, and I know that uh, it was in jail uh, that you recommitted your life to Christ. You were baptized here in 2005. 2005, In the middle yes. of an upward basketball game, I believe. Indeed, indeed. And, uh, but it took a little while for that to, <laughs> to really did. soak in. Uh, recommitted your life to Christ, and that now, uh, you know, that's where you find your strength and your hope. And, um, you know, the scripture, 1 John chapter 1 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So that whenever we repent and acknowledge our sin and our, our, our lack of ability to, to control it, acknowledge does God forgive us, but he cleanses us and he gives us the strength to resist. And uh, I know that that's important. Uh, Andrew, let me ask you this. Um, how, do we, how do you prevent addiction? Now, obviously, it would be better for someone never to start. But how, how would you say... That, that culture, society, the church, parents should try to prevent prediction, addiction? Uh, just to educate. And, and while your kids are, are young, you know, listen to everything. When they come home from school and they want to talk about, you know, what went on, you listen. That way they tell you when they get older what's going on. Uh, you know, just to completely educate and, and, and be kind and listen. You know, uh, life shows up, you know, and, and it could, like you said, it could be, uh, old people, places, and things. For me, you know, I don't get into that uh, today. I'm very uh, vigilant of what I do and who I place myself around. Um, but you know, just listen to the children and you know, keep showing them the way. Our actions show. We can we can talk to we're blue in the face, uh, but our actions are what speak louder than words. You know, uh, one of the things that we were talking about the other day was that um, it's kind of a double-edged sword, but but people in our life are important to help us stay on the path. Accountability, uh, relationships that are important. And, and there's a balancing act there, especially for family members who are dealing with, with, with addicts in their life. Because on one hand, you can enable, you may want to speak to that in a moment. But on the other hand, if they're isolated and pushed aside, uh, then that in turn may drive them deeper into addiction. So how do you try to find that balance? Maybe some examples in your life of, of good or bad. 
Yeah, um, you know, accountability is very important. Randy held me accountable a couple months ago. We were, you remember that? Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't like it, but I need to be held accountable. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, and, and as parents, these are your babies, and I get that. And, and it's a tough one, you know. These are your kids, if you have a child or, or whatever, or your husband, your wife, whatever. Uh, but we can't, as, as far as accountability, we don't pay their phone bill. We don't pay their rent. You know what I mean? Uh, they can't stay with us if they're using. It, it's really tough, uh, but they got to feel the pain to heal the pain. Because if you're letting me still stay at, under your roof and use dope, well, why would I stop? Uh, you know, the accountability is, is definitely something that needs, because, you know, if you enable the addict, you'll kill the addict. You know, same with the alcoholic, that slow death. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, and like I say, the balance of being able to love them through it without isolating them, without you know, pushing them away uh, because, uh, you know, one of the things we were talking about is that, that addiction could be back based on, uh, partly on the ba lack of bonding in, in, mm. in people relationship that we tend to push them away. We need to be, have community, healthy community that challenges them, you know, confronts them, holds them accountable, uh, but doesn't throw them away, which, which is hard. Right. And I get that question a lot. You know, I've heard, you know, people that, uh, I visited a lot of treatment centers, and a lot of times I'll hear, oh, my family gave up on me because they weren't enabling. Oh, so now you're still the victim. You're not a victim. I said, did they stop praying? Uh, I did a video with a lady over from Anderson County, uh, Teresa Bass, um, and, and she was very good at not enabling, but she was there still for her son, which is doing well today. But what I'm saying with that, it is, it's a fine line, but we like to play victim a lot. You know, when we're in active addiction or alcohol, we want to play victim. Oh, it's everybody else's fault. We're not, you know, but except for us, we don't take it on. And, and you let us keep doing what we're doing. Well, you know, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. Yep. No healing. What would you say to the person who is an addict, the person who maybe isn't down and out, you know, I mean, I don't know if they'd be listening, but, but to someone who, who knows they've got a problem and they're not acknowledging that, what would, what would you say to them today? And it's funny, you know, I get these a lot. You know, I've been very blessed. Uh, and I do get these questions like, well, you know, I'm not as bad as Miss Sue down on the corner. You know what I mean? Who's smoking crack? I still got my job and, and you know, and this and that. Well, eventually you're not going to have your job. It's a progressive disease, right? And, and I've seen it, you know, that functioning alcoholic, that functioning uh, addict that shows up for work for 20 plus. But you're miserable, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, and basically it's going to happen. You know, why, why keep living in that self-made hell? Because it is spiritual. Right. When you can get into the Word and live your best life ever. Yeah, I can't believe you invited me here today. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm so blessed. Amen. Well, uh, let me just say this. I think we're about out of time. But, but anyway, you, you are, like I said before, you kind of committed your life to this. And you kind of live this. And, and people have... Uh, uh, addiction or struggle in their life or if they know of someone that they care about that they want to get help you'd be glad to talk to them uh, you have um, you have a blog you have a Facebook page you do several videos tell a little bit about that about the, the, the organization yeah uh, like again um, this is a God thing you know because I Andrew don't know nothing if I'm running on what Andrew wants to do it won't end right um, so we check our motives behind everything get that gut uh, it's called Andrew Hager live it's a blog page. There's a lot of videos on there, and there's a, there's a lot of good inspiration. Uh, and we have resources all through the state of Kentucky and other states, as a matter of fact, regardless 
of your insurance, your finances, we will, we will find you uh, treatment. You are a loved one. We also have people that's a part of our organization, Heart Ministries, helping every addict recover together uh, that can help walk, walk you through the Casey's Law if you have a loved one that's not willing um, to get the help that they need. Uh, again, because we have to be told about ourselves and we have to take suggestions. And that's what I, when I'm on the phone, I'm like, look, oh, well, I can't go to treatment. You know, can I go next week? No, we need to do it now, right in the now, because tomorrow's not promised. Uh, and let's let God open the door. You, you guys with me? Yep. You know, because I can't make decisions. If I'm drinking or I'm using dope, why? I mean, come on now. I can't make rash decisions on my own. I need somebody to guide me, you know, and that's what it is. Right. And we're, we're limited on what we can do for everybody, but the Casey's Law is one thing that I know you talked a little bit about. And, uh, and also the fact about children. Uh, I don't know if you mentioned in this service, but you, you lost your daughter, I think maybe yes. in, uh, to addiction a, couple, a few years ago. Yeah, 2017, uh, November the 21st, I lost my daughter to a heroin overdose. Um, yeah. And, you know, that pain, that shame, that guilt, that evil committee came at me real tough. And uh, from like I told you guys... Uh, you know, it started tearing me apart again. Oh, you're no good. You know, go get one. That's, you know, it's cunning, baffling, powerful. You know, like, like we talk about, you know, you cast these demons out. They go get some more demons. They come back, you know, bigger and badder. You hear me? The only defense against that is God's. That's why I say how powerful is this power that gives me power over this disease I suffer from. Uh, yeah, so thank yeah. you for allowing me to share. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, one of the big things, a big part of your heart is the children. Yes. And this, the blameless children. So... Uh, every year, I think it's the third or fourth year, you guys have been hosting Blameless Children event. And uh, it's an event, we're actually, Lord willing, uh, August 8th. Yes. Uh, we're going to be hosting that here uh, as, as much as we possibly can. Uh, and it's an event where uh, you bring in speakers, uh, sometimes children uh, will be here speaking about yeah, that. Yeah, there will be a lot of children here. And, and that's on my heart because my son, Jordan, he's 26 now, but when he was five, and you remember Jordan, he played yeah. upward. But where I was in active addiction, he would ask his mother, uh, why don't my father love me? Because the kids don't take it on as, you know, they don't get mad at you. They take it on as that they're not worthy of your love. You know, they take it on as their own. You know, and I want to quit robbing our children of their childhood. I, I want my children to have to, you know, children shouldn't have to worry if their mother, their father is okay if they've eaten, you know, if they've eaten, if they've overdosed or, or you know, things like that. Children shouldn't have that worry. And just want to be the voice for the children. It's, it's all about the kids. We got free toys. Yeah. <laughs> we got free toys, y'all. Huh? Yeah. Uh, I want to thank uh, Toy Bergen, Anderson County. They donated quite a bit of toys last year and this year as well. Free yeah. food, too. You can't go wrong there, right? Yeah. So the event is the 8th, 12 to 4. Uh, Lord willing, everything works together there. So, uh, guys, give me a big, help me give a big, a big hand for Andrew. Thank you, Randy. You thank you, guys. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate it. Yeah, I'm, I'm proud to guy, call this guy a, a friend and a brother, and, uh, you know, it's good to have them as a part of our church family. Rachel has had the big job today and uh, done a great job with the kids, so we appreciate that. Guys, I don't know what your struggle is in life. You know, it may not be to the point you might call it an addiction, but whatever it is, uh, we've all got one, and the biggest disease we have is sin, and we all have that. Only Jesus can, can be the solution for that. Well, one thing I love about Andrew is, um, you know, he's passionate about this, but he's passionate and very bold about telling people who Jesus is, his Lord and Savior, and his identity is in Christ, and that's where all of us need to find ourselves. 
If you want to talk to somebody about that, you can talk to him afterwards or you can uh, um, contact him. There's plenty of ways to get a hold of him. If you want to talk about uh, any other issue, I'd love to talk to you about your next step on your journey for Christ. All right, now I want to ask if you were going to transition to a time of communion. We know that our sins have been lifted. Our burdens have been taken away by the power of Jesus Christ. And the moment that that happened was when Jesus died on the cross for us. And so every Lord's Day, uh, we take some time and recognize that and kind of focus on the love of Jesus for us, uh, the sacrifice on the cross, and also examine ourselves. The Bible says to look at our lives and see the areas that we fall short in. And so we invite you to do that if you're a believer. When you came in, hopefully you picked up one of the kits. Uh, out front. And so we're going to just take um, the, the bread in a moment and the cup. Uh, but just now, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for Andrew, for his friendship, for his testimony, uh, and the power of Christ in his life. And uh, Lord, we know that uh, life is a struggle for all of us. Uh, but because of Jesus, we can be more than, more than overcomers. So God, thank you for the love of Christ, the power of Christ in our lives. Lord, just now as we take this bread and this cup that symbolize the broken body of Jesus and the shed blood of our Lord, would you remind us of your great love and of the cost that it was required for us to have our sins forgiven and our bondage lifted. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.